Blog Talk Radio. Aloha and welcome to Talking Pictures. I'm your host, Paul Booth. As always, it is a tremendous pleasure to be here. I've been excited about this episode. Oh, I'm excited about every episode. This one has a cool meaning for me because we got to see an independent film and we got to look at a new film that was just, just being released. We also got to see a performance from Michael Madsen. Um, for anyone who loves him, he he has. It's always interesting to see something he does um, outside of how he's kind of lumped with Tarantino. Right now, we have our caller calling in. Are you there, Mr. Evans? Yes, I am. Hello. Thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. And so, uh, with Death in the Desert, I see on Internet Movie Database, this is your seventh feature as a director? Yes. And um, before we get started with that, I was just about to introduce you, but sometimes I like the guests to kind of mention some things that they would like said. So, whatever you would like to say about your background, and then we can roll into the question. You know, that's kind of hard for me. Maybe other people have different skill sets than mine, but, you know, just ask me the questions. I can probably tell you more about me that way. Okay, cool. Um, well, basically, I know you uh, You started out as an actor. Yes. And uh, I had mentioned to some people, um, obviously, uh, Born on the Fourth of July was a great film. Thank you for contributing to veterans with that. Um, and then as far as your background getting into film was there a certain film or thing that got you into doing it you know i i don't know if there was to tell you the truth of certain film i mean i i kind of grew up watching movies my whole life and i always loved movies from from since i was probably uh four years old you know i was watching movies so to be a part of them felt almost like a, a natural progression for me. You know, it started off uh, when I was uh, really like uh, 11, I was making little short films out. Uh, a little, I made like a little war movie or made a couple films and I wasn't thinking of myself as a, a director. I just loved, I loved doing it. And then I uh, fell into acting. That, that kind of came my way. Uh, that was, Seemed to be where, where I landed, and I and I wasn't very good at it at first. You know, I didn't realize how hard you had to learn, just like if you were to do any other profession. So then I kind of went to uh, acting class uh, boot camp, and I studied with a lot of great teachers. And I think uh, through that, I learned about storytelling and, and writing and and collaboration, um, all things that helped me when. I came back around to it again, you know, to the to the writing process and the directing process. I, I had it in my head already from all the studying I had done through acting, you know. I see. Well, and, uh, I mean, Dream a Little Dream, for those of you that don't know, uh, mm. some of us, it's in a, a special film because it had the two Corys writing their license to drive fame. Uh, but really, your first credit is, of course, Born on the Fourth of July, and not just saying this because you're on the show. Dream a little dream was you know was a was a significant experience though because that was the first movie I ever did. I, I was only uh, fifteen, fourteen or fifteen years old, and I flew out there to North Carolina, uh, spent about five weeks playing 
uh, I think my part was lo- called Low Life Number One, you know, and I was sort of a very insignificant player, but I was able to witness a big production and, and understand what it was to just kind of be an actor, wait around and and uh, sit in a hotel room for four weeks. Um, and, and it was it was an invaluable experience, actually, because those two actors were, were very... Uh, successful at the time and you know there was a lot there was a lot of uh, energy on that film obviously it wasn't the creative kind of purity and explosiveness of, uh, of integrity that one of the fourth of july had you know the two different experiences but i, I would say dream a little dream first credit for sure because without dream a little dream i would have never been able to do one of the fourth of july oh that's great i mean thank you for saying that because we're always interested in or any aspect of the behind the scenes, what what people took a profound experience from that might not seem like it was. Um, well, so was it, just, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't profound. It was actually uh, boring and miserable and lonely because I, I wanted to get the hell out of there. I was sitting around, but it gave me an understanding of what the the reality of of being an actor was a lot of the time, and it wasn't all just you know you have to you know. You have to learn how to educate yourself. I had a good friend who was in that movie, and his name is Billy McNamara, and he had a, a bigger part in the movie. And I remember we just became friends, and he he was reading and you know showing, teaching me. We were reading Herman Hesse and and you know talking about music and and I thought, well, you know, to be an actor, you really need to keep yourself uh, stimulated because you're waiting around a lot, you know. Otherwise, you, anyone, I mean, you could take a rat and make a rat wait, and it would get destructive. You know, it's just it's a very uh, it's a destructive lifestyle if you're not ready for it. It's almost like that hurry up and wait saying. Yeah, well, you know, if you're on, if you're, if you're a cinematographer, or if you're a, if you're a, an AC, or any one of the part, you know, it's a, making a picture is a tremendous amount of work. It's, it's labor. It's like building a road, um, and then the actor has to come in, even if it's three in the morning, and you know, be completely fresh, and it's twenty, you know, forty degrees, and they have to be alive in that moment, you know, right there and do it and do it and do it. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying it's harder or easier, but it definitely takes a certain kind of mindset, you know, that's a little outside of every, where everybody else is. Because they're, okay. they're not loose, you know. Right. I mean, and you're to, you're getting to, I mean, I, I, I guess that's something that was really interesting after I saw your film was, um, like I really liked Michael Madsen in it, and do you think? I don't know. It's kind of a hard question. Not a hard question. It's hard to for me to word. Is there a way where you could you feel sometimes working with actors like a big chunk of you wouldn't be able to do it had you not been an actor yourself? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Because I mean, I, I understand. I mean, I, I haven't done it in a long time, so it's not. But I understand. What what it what it is to to do that, but I think it's really like it's like doing anything else. It's any other kind of performance, you know. Directing is a performance. You have to show up and be in charge, and you know, uh, cinematographers a performance. It's just the actor has sometimes are are disrespected. They're they don't they're not appreciated for they're appreciated, you know, monetarily or you know if they if they disappear on you, they're they're appreciated because you can't finish the movie without them, but there, what it what it takes to to be calm and patient and 
you know, and know your lines and 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 be be positive. You know, all those things that those ephemeral qualities I, I don't think are appreciated by the by the way the the functioning uh, movie goes. You know, that's why actors get a little pissed sometimes because you know, uh. everyone else thinks they're crazy about something, but really, you know, they're not they're not crazy. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it seems like the uh, crew, uh, film crews that I've worked on, it's always been really fascinating to watch the actors because it's almost like really not just the talent, but it's like how do you how do you tolerate that waiting? How do you tolerate like you're saying? You know, it can't go on without them, but sometimes it yeah. is just like around and boredom. And it's as crew, it's kind of like you look at them and you're like, oh, I'd like to hang out at the craft service, you know, or I'd like right, to have time, right. but, um, but, but you didn't no. until you were, and then, until you were, and then you then you wouldn't want to after a while. Once you'd had enough licorice and corn nuts, you know, you'd be like, what am I doing now? That's a great so. nuance, corn nuts. Um, so basically, yeah. your career, as I look at it, um, you went into directing, and then uh, you you were acting in your first couple of films, and then you go on to. It looks like you just stuck with directing. Obviously not on a like, real personal level. No, but no, it's actually a, a little more a little more uh, checkerboard than that. You know, I, my first picture that I directed, I, I was originally just going to act in it, and I was going to try to find a writer, and I couldn't find a writer, so by default, I decided to write a script with my partner at the time, Yuri. You know, we wrote a script together. It took us like three years to figure out how to do it, and then we tried to find a director, and we couldn't find a director. We looked all over the place, and I said, you know, I'll direct it. And it seemed crazy at the time, and, and then I directed it, and I, was, I loved it. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to act anymore. And so the next film I made, which we got a, a pretty good budget for, I didn't act in. Um, and then the one after that, I did act in. And then the one after that uh, was about... Uh, Che Guevara, and, and I, I didn't act in that, and then I did another movie called Everybody Dies, and I didn't act in that, and and then Death in the Desert, I didn't act in that, but then before Death in the Desert, I, I made a movie that was going to come out in June called 39 that I did act in, so it's been kind of, you know, I sort of step in if, if, if it's the right situation, otherwise I'd rather get somebody else to do it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, thanks for breaking that down. Um, sure. Very interesting to have made a film about Che Guevara. Um, yeah. Is there any kind of uh, did that take you years to research, or what was like the oh, regiment? Oh yeah, that was, uh, that was like yeah, I think two thousand one to two thousand. It was finally the movie was done in two thousand eight. Done. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't. Um, no, and it's not like separating other people as not being people, but it's really interesting to talk to people and they just have no clue. Sometimes the movie they're seeing that director has had in his pocket for 20 years or they've wanted yeah. to do that. You know, so that's, that's what I find interesting. So you have, you have 39 that's, that's going to come out after death in the desert. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So with death in the desert recently was, distributed but i wasn't told if is it vod is it going to have a theatrical run i it seems to me right now like it's just vod that seems to be what they're doing you know and it's, it's at first a little frustrating but then not frustrating once you get past the initial uh burn of of it because theater 
experience, unless we had a tremendous uh, budget for marketing, ends up being a kind of an exercise and frustration too. So I'm just really grateful that people are able to watch the movie, you know, as many of them. It's why it's right there for them to see it, you know. And, uh, right. Kind of Did you get to um, spend time on on lots? Like you mentioned, you were, were you were you were watching movies as a kid. Did you? Uh, is there something you could accredit to taking your own bull by the horns and not going with any past? Just you making films as you. I'm. I'm. I'm a little confused. I'm sorry. I don't know what you. Well, mean. Okay, I mean, like, um, you you didn't you don't have to do this because, like, relatives have done it. Like, you did it your own way, your own style. So. Oh I don't... yeah, I, yeah. I I think it's just it's kind of a voice inside my own head that I that I hear, and it's what I know how to do. You know, I sometimes I it's just what I understand. It's what I what I understand. It's a language that I understand or or trying to understand and definitely feel that when I apply myself I have something to say and I can, I can I can hear something and I can play it it's like an instrument you know that I can understand so um, like if I see a let's say you walk into a house and say I'll, outside say we should put a wall all around the property you know I, I can actually build that wall you know I don't just say I can here's the wall so it's something I know how to do whereas there are other things in, in uh, that I don't know how to do so and it was it was definitely um, something that it's a life it's a lifetime work you know it's just I can see myself just to keep doing it it's 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 where I it's what I love. I see. Well, are you? Um, this says here that you had a thirty-five millimeter version. So was did you was is that the only one you did or was it? I mean, because I was trying to tell it's so hard these days between digital and film. Oh, yeah, Death in the Desert was shot on 35. Okay, okay. That was, I I was wondering, because at first I wasn't sure if it was digital, then there were certain shots, you and your DP worked out, those long shots outside town. And I just thought, no, this seems like film. I don't know that that digital is coming along this far. Okay, 35 milliliter. So have you done all of your films on 35, or...? No, no, I've done, I've really worked in all formats. I mean, I did uh, my first film in Super 16, uh, my second film on 35, my third film on like a Sony PAL digital video, my my fourth and fifth film on Super 16. You know, it's been changing. I've kept changing, you know. It's, I haven't locked into one DP or one format. Okay, yeah, because it's so amazing how it's. it seems like now if you buy a camera, it's like iPhones. It's like you buy a camera, and then within eight months, there's a new camera. Yeah, I think the camera is like a tool, you know, at least for me. I mean, I, I love the camera just to, to – if you can master your workflow with a workflow that you feel comfortable with and, and a camera that, that you feel comfortable, I mean, you're still telling a story – and you're still trying to tell it the best way possible. The, the problem with a lot of the digital stuff for me is just that I end up with too much uh, post-production work because it's more disposable. And I wanted with, with uh, Death in the Desert, you know, we had just a little bit of money to start out with and we were trying to get the production mounted and I had like 
think it was like $35,000. And I said, you know, I'd rather spend $35,000 and buy this film from Fuji. It was a Fuji night stock, 500, you know, night stock. It was just so beautiful. And I thought, let me just buy it, you know, and ship it to my house. I mean, I knew where I was in Vegas, and I knew that even if everything fell apart, I had that film there, I could rent a camera, I could make a movie. You know, I was just like, and it would look cool as hell, you know, and, and uh, it would remind me every day when I woke up and I looked at those cans that I, I was making a picture, you know, and I wasn't going to spend it on, you know, Xerox machines and and uh, all this other shit that, you know, you don't have anything, so. It was just, uh, it was, for the, and, then, and then we had the film and it was fantastic because it just said, you know, we're making this movie and it, was, it became a, a very physical process, not just a computer process. You know, the film had to be shipped to, to Los Angeles because there's no processing in Vegas and, and uh, it was a lot of hassle, but I, I think it comes across on the picture. I think the timing of the movie and, and the way the movie is experienced is it's, it's a slow burn, you know, it's a slow kind of atmospheric burn. And, and that film did that. It, it, that I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was through most of the film. I was I'm always trying to pay attention if it feels digital or. I mean, the social network was one of the only films where I felt like, yeah, that seemed like it needed to be read and not film. Um, but basically, so another thing I would, I'm interested with Death in the Desert again for everyone that listens to this late. Uh, we're 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 talking to uh, Mr. Josh Evans, director of Death in the Desert, and multiple other films that we've been discussing. It's available now on video on demand. Um, did you have a long casting process for Death in the Desert, or was it short? Did you kind of come across? No, it was long. Huh. It was long. It was five months. Pretty long. Five months. Okay, and then is that? Is there something that you feel this film uh, gave you that you hadn't learned on the other films? And I don't mean specific from like working in Vegas and you never have like a lesson has a director where you got to step back and be like, wow, Death in the Desert gave me this. Well, you know, I mean, to be, uh, to tell you the truth, it's a, you know, every time you go in to make a picture, at least from my experience, it's a war, you know, it's like going into the closest thing I've known to a war. So I go in there, I have my, you know, my script, I got to make it under a certain budget. I can't miss my days. Schedule has to be right. You know, uh, a lot, everything has, it's, it's a high energy situation um, where there's, everybody is working on all cylinders. And I, and I think each time you get to do it, you know, you learn to navigate it differently and work with different personalities, but it's still such an, for me, because I'm not the most, uh, you know, I'm not a, a very social person. So when I make a movie, suddenly I'm in a very social situation with a lot of people. So every every time I do it, it's almost uh, more connected to the last time I did it and more similar to the last time I did it, even if that's five years ago, than anything remotely what my life is like. You know, so they're all kind of connected, these movies. Like, even though, you know, I made Inside the Goldmine, I was 19, that period feels more similar to me during Death in the Desert than, you know what I mean, than the time that maybe a year before that did, or six months before I was making the movie. Well, you don't have to use any names, but what was it like uh, directing a family member in Glam? Oh, 
my mom was great. I mean, you know, I had, um, you know, I've all, I'd always wanted to, to do something fun with my mom. My mom has a, a great sense of humor, and Frank Whaley is a is a phenomenal actor and extremely funny. And and uh, I always wrote that role at the time for I thought I'd play, my mom would play the interviewer, you know, because it just seemed it was just another world to me. You know, that movie was just a such an impression of everything I'd been taking in and kind of a, a surreal kind of explosion. So to have my mom doing those lines was, was just perfect. And she did great. Well, oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, Frank Whitley, um, I always, growing up, my favorite director was Oliver Stone. So that's why Frank Whitley always popped out for me as, you know, obviously, you know, Robbie Krieger and then yeah. Frank. Lee Harvey Oswald in some of those scenes in JFK or the double or whatever. And I always thought he was, I mean, I love him in School of Rock, uh, even Career Opportunities, that movie he did in the early 90s with Jennifer Connelly. Um, he's always a talent. I always love watching him. So that's, I'm glad that you mentioned him. Um, do you have, like, Death in the Desert? What, what was the, uh, how long was the shoot? Uh, four weeks, I believe. Four and a half weeks. Did you have many? Did you have very many, or did I guess this is? Uh, so you were saying how to kind of cut back on the post production. So basically, you didn't have any amount of deleted scenes, or did you kind of have to? You, you obviously had to be way more in control of your takes. You know the way people do twenty on a tape. Well, you, yeah, I mean, I had well, I had to do that on my first picture too. You know, we made it for sixty thousand dollars, and we shot it on film. I. I, you know, I had to I had to be very tight with my ratio. A lot of masters, and on this one, I think we were very tight too. I mean, we only had I think four four and a half hours to, to the or, or no, like six hours to the to the ninety minutes that are there. So pretty much everything was very specific. The shot list was very specific, and the the we, we just went for it. There wasn't a lot of options, even though the editing just took a tremendous a lot of time, which I wasn't expecting, but. The editing just kept going and going to kind of make it a smooth experience, you know. Right. I mean, was there, uh, did you have, was it, I mean, what is it like shooting in Las Vegas? I mean, I've, I I know a lot of people, obviously, that have shot in Toronto, Vancouver, L.A., New York. What, what, what did you, what was that experience like? Well, on one hand, it's it's stunning because you're in this vivid uh, epicenter of of the world, you know. You're even though it's only four hours from here, you're in. You could be in Shanghai, or you could be in London, or you know, you're in an international place that has so much uh, visually to give you, and the faces and the characters. Um, so that is invigorating and exciting, and it definitely sets a tone for. It's it's a step out of Los Angeles. You know, it's cold there. It's dark in some places. It, it, the reality of it slaps you right in the face, so it definitely uh, jump starts the the process, and it's exciting to shoot there. I enjoyed it. Was uh was this your first uh, film with Michael Madsen? No, we did another film uh, called The Price of Air. Okay, so you you go back with him. You have a, you've done two films, and let's see, because when I Oh, sorry about that. Price of Air, so that's 1997. So I'm always kind of interested because he's one of those actors where 
constantly talking to people that aren't obsessed with film or working in the business, they seem to think that he's just the Reservoir Dogs guy. So I, I really liked seeing him in a completely respectful way outside of people thinking he just works with Tarantino. So that's oh, what yeah. I've, so he's a I mean, listen, he's a fan. He's a fantastic uh, actor that, you know, would have yeah. been, he's, he's one of these actors who, who could have been working in the fifties in the sixties and the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. He's a real, the real deal movie actor. You know, he understands uh, the essence of, of making film. And so to have someone like him come in and play the role was just, you know, it was like suddenly went from black and white to color overnight. Oh, okay. So you're so yeah, because um, he's I I liked him in this movie a lot, and I was really, um, I really dug the cinematography. So if you, I would love to hear your comments on, you know, how long what what was kind of the, without what was kind of the process between you and the the cinematographer. Well, uh, we the cinematographer and I worked together on Thirty Nine previously. So and and uh, she's from. Not well. She's not from the United States, so I wasn't expecting her to be my cinematographer. And we, when we got to Vegas, we were scouting the film, and she just happened, of all places, to be in Vegas, you know. And um, she, she just really, we understand each other just back from '39, back from understanding because uh, we made '39 before Death in the Desert. It's just, but it's just coming out now, and that was a much more of a raw movie where we had to be very in sync with the lenses you know let's go let's let's go to this lens let's go to that lens you know uh, we we shot the film understanding everything about about the lenses and the shots so working on death in the desert we kind of applied that to those same principles just uh, every shot was really uh, thought about and discussed there was nothing random happening so and then she has a, a very haunting perspective of of America for sure, and certainly Las Vegas, because she uh, uh, comes from a, a different place, and her her take on it was fantastic. I think she did a beautiful job. Yeah, it's, uh, Vegas to me, uh, just having been there so many times, I feel like it gives it gave the film a natural uh, eeriness or natural fear that, of course, the cinematography complemented and the acting and the writing. But that place to me just always has a weird feeling. I think because no one ever goes to sleep. I I, I, I think that, I think the thing about the picture that I'm really so proud of is that you know as time goes on and years go by and you know it just gets digested into the great belly of media content. I think people will look back and and see the film and and they'll see a movie that really emanates Vegas in a, in a way that is completely unique because it's not a movie uh, you never see the strip you never see the MGM you never see the Caesars it's really about the the you feel that, that that's there but you it's a it's a movie about the locals in Vegas the people from Montana that come into Vegas the people that you know from from the beach that come to Vegas the the people that live in the suburbs the, the downtown the, the boulevard uh, of residence and that lifestyle that I I've never seen a movie about that I've never seen one, so you know I, I've seen pieces of it. I, I, you know, some good ones. There's been a couple, but this one really dug into what it was and what it is to be there, 
uh, at least and, and right now in 2014 you know, or 15 or whatever year it was, I think 15. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I like that. I really recognize some of the locations. I like that you, like you were saying, there's not the MGM, there's not the standard cliche parts of Vegas. I love that thing yeah. with the overhead and downtown. Um, did Was there any kind of, uh, from a technical point of view, was there any kind of, did it make it harder or easier for your cinematographer having so many lights since you couldn't really check your light meter to how a hotel looked? Um, no, because, you know, we were shooting on that, uh, we were shooting on that very, that fast Fuji film, which I saw a test of, and I saw shots of it, they filmed in Tokyo and Hong Kong, similar, and it just looked incredible. I believe it was the same film that Wong Kar Wai, they discontinued it, um, and it was just beautiful, I mean, at the night stuff, and then we showed, for the day, we were using 250, and the, the day was just, just so beautiful too. I mean, the desert I, I was the film really absorbed in, in, in all the all the lights, and I didn't have a lot of difficulty with that, or at least I, not that I'm aware of. Well, did you um, do you have a, a, a website or a blog for it that you'd like to plug? I don't, unfortunately. I'm not I have no I have no social media presence. Not a not anything. Uh, I'm sorry to yeah, that's say. a whole new. Uh, that seems like a whole thing unto itself. Um, it yeah, really I mean, did. look, I think at the at the end of the day, I mean, my my plug is buy the movie and watch it. You know, the movie, it's it's just a fact. This is easy to watch the movie. Put you know, put some headphones on you know, if you don't have a big screen and or and and experience the picture. You know, yeah, that that's the the best way. Uh, I think uh, I know there's a lot of clips out there now on the internet uh, and, and trailers, and they're all good, but I think if if one wants to get in the right frame of mind, the right mood, and and sit down and and watch a, an interesting picture, I think they won't be disappointed in in the film. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I I I just have had the good fortune to travel to so many states, and so I've been in that desert so many times, and I've been through New, all of New Mexico and a lot so of the that, that you captured that really well. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I feel like I did, you know, I, I was there, you know. I mean, the last day we were shooting the, some of those uh, views, and I just thought, you know, it was cold and it was windy and, and lonely as hell, you know, not just for me, but just the loneliness of the of of what was what was on film. But it's it's to me uh, compelling drama to to watch, but not really to live. So. You know, it's the fantasy of Vegas that you can experience without having to experience it, without having to live it. Um, and and that, that to me, is a, you know, it's like a, it's like a noir. You know, it's a new noir. That's why I, I see the story. You know, and I say noir just meaning that a long time ago, I think people would go to, you know, from the East Coast, they would come to Los Angeles to kind of get lost and do things they weren't supposed to do and weird things where morality felt and was upside down. Uh, and now I think Vegas is kind of the, is that place. You know, you, it has a, a feeling when you drive in there, like, you know, something, anything can happen, you know, and, and you sit in those hotel rooms and you look out the window and you think about all this crazy stuff that's going on. And, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe you go out and experience it, but you're not, you're still a tourist. And this is, this is not that, this is the real, you, you know, uh, Real Vegas. 
I guess I could say. Yeah, it's diff- It's definitely a place where if you're not in with the energy or you're, you know, the crowds. I mean, I've I've always just taken it as it's a really fun people watching place. I don't think I could ever live there or work there. I mean, obviously I could do a project there the way you did, but um, yeah, I, I definitely think it takes a, a special kind of person to work in that and thrive off of it. Um, do you have any? Um, we always like to ask the guests sure. what their favorite films are or what keeps them going or what inspires you? Do you have like a favorite band? Anything that kind of shows us some of your process? Well, I, I, I think I, you know, I've been inspired by things throughout my life. I mean, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, I, I remember I, I saw Purple Rain and just thought, wow, that's amazing. And I went and saw Prince perform, you know, it was totally just blew my mind at the time. And I, and then I worked with Oliver Stone and, and saw great actors, and that kind of made me see that I could be a part of something amazing. And then, you know, I, I was—I uh, wrote the Bob Marley story actually for Oliver as a screenplay. And I, I, I was in Jamaica, and I learned about Bob Marley, and he, he just his struggles uh, and his life inspired me. And you know, now I'm reading a book about Willie Nelson of all people, and I, it's not even a you know, just kind of blows my mind the stories that that he that he's writing about in his book about his uh, his life, or Marvin Gaye. You know, I mean, there's just keeps coming. You know, there are so many people before that have uh, been told no, 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 and kept persevering and and left behind some some magic. You know, right? Yeah, because I mean, being a, um, I'm always interested too in the generation that someone's from. So like, I know uh, for a lot of us that write and produce this podcast, we love seventies films. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, that was the best time in film for, you know, we, we have listeners that aren't aware of that and don't, um, you know, we know anyone can learn it at any time and we appreciate that. So coming off of all those great films, when of course the studio heads were gone and directors could, you know, had unprecedented freedom. Uh, that's what I kind of felt like uh, watching your film. I, it felt kind of like a 70s movie to me where it could be about a character who doesn't have to go through a certain change at 74 minutes. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you, know what you mean. mean. <laughs> you can time yeah, that, it. That, you that, that, reading book, right? Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I, I agree. And I, and I, I was, you know, never... Um, I, I just try to block that out, even though I know it's probably true. Just, I mean, like a movie does need to be three acts. And, you know, if you're, if you're just relaxed about it, the three acts naturally present themselves because uh, everything is a beginning, middle, and end in so much, so much. Uh, you can cut it up all the ways you want, but it's that progression, like just like the seasons, there's four seasons, you know, you, there's three acts. So that's a natural thing, but when you start trying to force you know, a, a certain development or certain things that I, I'm, I never got, I never could hook on to that. Okay. Yeah. I definitely, that was one of the first things that popped out at me. I am always interested in what influences a filmmaker. And I just thought somewhere in there, um, regardless of that, you have lived in New York and LA and, um, uh, how you're, how you're a part of a, legacy i just saw a specific 
the way certain films must influence a filmmaker regardless of that. But that was, I mean, if oh, anything, I, mean, I really... Been, I mean, look, there's been, there's been so many, though, you know? I mean, you, we could talk about... You could just say one, and it would get me going, you know? It's hard to say... To, to lock on to one because it wouldn't. You, uh, there's so many uh, that that have come at different times, you know. I mean, and sometimes there's films that I see that uh, I didn't like, and then I see them again, and I realize how great they are. I mean, it's it, it, good art is good art, you know. Whether it's a book or a a song or a movie or you know a play or uh, a perform a rock and roll performance, you know, when when you're when everyone's doing their job and everyone's calm and and uh, focused and talented and it, it makes something magical, you know, it's, it's over and over and over again. It's, it's undeniable, you know, it's what makes us humans, not robots. So, I mean, there was a lot of great movies in the 70s, but if you watch them now, you know, the pacing, you, you know, is a little bit slower, but still the uh, the editing was a lot more groundbreaking to me in a sense because there was a lot more work that had to be done on a flatbed than has you can do on a digital surface. You know, a flatbed, every cut, you know, if you want to have a flashback or a trip-out scene like an easy rider or something, you know, it's, you're going to have to splice it and you're going to have to drop it in and you have to make these hard choices. You know, now if you want a trip-out scene, it's like you can do like 100 cuts a minute, you know, and... The thing is, is that when 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 the medium gets shrunk down, you know, which is people watching on their laptops or on, on a phone or however they watch it, uh, the the beats per minute of what you want to see it, it increases. You know, a big master like a Terrence Malick master, you know, that is phenomenal on on film because you you have that master of twenty seconds, thirty seconds, but when it gets shrunk down, maybe that master feels like oh it's dragging, you know, because you're looking in, not looking up at it. But I, I, I just try to block it out, you know, and tell my story. And, and I don't know, like if I think too much about the way everything's changed, you know, it, it overwhelms me. And these are the times we're in. And they're great times, but they're also, you know, of course, I wish movies would play in the theater for six months and you didn't have to have $100 million to compete with, you know, marketing a movie and all that stuff. But, it, but then it, the other side of that is, you know, you can go to iTunes and watch a movie. And that's great, you know, like you can get right. the message across. So it's a give and take. Well, there's uh, one time I interviewed a cinematographer that had shot like Walk the Line with Johnny Cash and he shot a couple of Alexander Payne films and he, I'd asked him about the technology and he just said something interesting where he said, you know, when we line up a shot, we're not thinking of the aspect ratio of an iPod. Yeah, you can't even think about it. You know, just make something yeah. great, and that's yeah. You can't. You really you have to. You can't think about it because it, it, it's uh, it can really make you lazy. You like, oh fuck it, I'll fix it in post. You know, it's fine. I'll fix it. You know, fix it in post. And, you know, you can't do that. You, you it's an art uh, that a lot of people have been doing. You know, for a hundred years now telling stories, moving pictures, taking photographs. I mean, a, a moving fo- a moving photograph that, that tells a story, you know, without uh, a lot of dialogue, and without exposition. And somehow in there, there's a, there's a magic. And when you put music on it, um, it's, it's a magic. 
that if if someone came you know down from Mars or a, you know another planet to to see the human race, for certain you know the magic of cinema would would move people, and and that's that's what I love. You know, it's just mo- it's something moving about it. You know, chronicling time, um, and that's why I, that's what I love about it. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely the best part. Um, but with that, we'll uh, we'll head into our wrap here. And if there's anything else you'd like to say or a project you'd, you'd like to plug before we go into that, has our production team for the show. We want to thank you for coming on, and we appreciate what you're contributing and doing with film. Okay. We love seeing the different points of view and what different directors. So we appreciate the time. And so, if there's anything else you'd like to say, feel free. Oh, I, I think we co- I think we covered a lot of good stuff. Okay. Um, well, excellent. I'll definitely, I'll definitely get this off to you. And just for the future, we always let guests know for their next project or whenever if they want to come back, they're welcome. If not, that's cool fantastic. too. But we, we want this oh, to be a place. Man, I'd love you. I definitely love for sure. We'll be. It will. God willing, we'll be talking a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. We, we, we want to be that one no, outlet where, you know, we're not about an agenda. We're not about who's done what. We just want to be able to, because we're all filmmakers ourselves, so we want to give the support yeah. to filmmakers that we want. So. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I can yeah. tell, man. You're very, uh, you know, passionate with what you're doing. I appreciate that. So, oh, no, so thank we'll you. Be, we'll, be, uh, we'll be in touch, you know, hopefully for a long time now. All right. I appreciate it. And you have a great night. You You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. We appreciate Mr. Josh Josh Evans' time. It was great to speak with him. I love to hear what directors have to say about their work. I I could do this every day. I I can't wait till the day happens where I have to do it every day. Uh, With that, Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, night, whenever you're catching this episode. And whatever you're going to do, make sure you see a good movie today. Aloha.